I Think Therefore I Fan podcast is generously supported by our listeners. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, go to our webpage, that's IThinkThereforeIFan.com, all one word, click on the link that says Donate, and follow the instructions. Your support is greatly appreciated. Spoiler warning time. In this episode, we discuss Groundhog Day, Russian Doll, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, 1201, The X-Files, Daybreak, Source Code, Edge of Tomorrow, Triangle, Before I Fall, Naked, 12 Dates of Christmas, The Last Day of Summer, Repeaters, Run Lola Run, The Good Place, 51st Dates, Stan and Ollie, Way Out West, The Hate You Give, and Black Monday. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, um, this week we're talking about what we call the Groundhog Day phenomenon, right? Which is um, a phenomenon that can occur to one, but it's it's also, we could use that expression to refer to this phenomenon where lots of movies seem to be about this this same kind of thing. Um, So, we'll, we'll sort of hit both, right? The Groundhog Day phenomenon is the thing that occurs in Groundhog Day type movies, um, as well as the, the phenomenon of these movies um, coming out with um, greater frequency. All right, so what, what is the, the phenomenon? As essentially, you know, it involves um, a film where there's a, a main character or a set of main characters, and they're experiencing some period of time over and over. They're, they're trapped in a day or they're trapped in an hour, right? There's, there's some kind of time loop. Um, and different things occur in these. Um, in some cases, you know, they're aware and um, others are not. Uh, maybe one person. In some cases, you know, it's the, there's lots of main characters and only one of them's aware. Um, usually, it's not the case that everybody's aware that this is going on, although we'll, we'll talk about some interesting variations. Um, and then frequently, um, there's, there's something that the people in the scenario need to do, right? They, they need to learn from their mistakes. They need to become virtuous. They perhaps need to solve some sort of riddle or puzzle. They have to prevent something that, that happens from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's something going on. Um, in some cases, they're aware of this, right? That they know, okay, if I can you know, stop from being killed before the end of the day, I'll survive until the next day. Um, and in other cases, they're, they're not aware. They're just crap. I'm just reliving this day over and over again. So lots of... When lots you of, say not aware, you mean not aware of the objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not aware of the objective. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you think it works out and then suddenly there's a sequel. Like a <laughs> happy death day to you here. And it's like, oh no, we're, we're right back in this. Um, <clears throat> so there's lots of instances of the Groundhog Day phenomenon. Um, 
there's, yeah, of course, Groundhog Day, um, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to you, that recent Netflix series, Russian Doll. Um, and we're going to talk about these um, quite a bit, but it, it's worth mentioning some of the others, right? So the, the, the very first one in these is um, a story called 1201. Um, came out, it was a, the book came out about 20 years before Groundhog Day, and um, this person, the main character, has to relive the worst day of his life over and over. Um, and then it was made into a movie that came out about the same time as Groundhog's Day. There's a famous X-Files episode called Monday um, that, that sort of trades on this. Um, Scully and Mulder are, are in a bank robbery, and um, there's, there's um, lots of violence and stuff, and they, they keep some, sort of re-experiencing that. Um, the movies Daybreak, Source Code, Edge of Tomorrow, um, Triangle, Before I Fall, right? Um, all these trade on the Groundhog Day phenomenon. Um, Naked, right? Um, 12 Dates of Christmas, which I, I saw that this thing existed, but I think it was like an ABC special, the kind of thing that I'd never in a million years see. Um, so I'm, I'm not vouching for it, but, but um, people say that about it. Um, the Last Day of Summer, Repeaters, um, Run Lola Run, and then a couple interesting variations. Um, 50 First Dates, right? They, here, um, the main character, uh, played by Drew Barrymore, um, doesn't, she has amnesia, and so time's going forward for her, right? She's not in a time loop, um, but they don't want her to know that she has amnesia. Um, she keeps waking up and they just act like it's the next day. So they show her the same newspaper and, and everybody plays along. Um, they, they trick her into thinking that she's living some particular day every day, but she doesn't know she's, that she's, um, experienced that day before, um, or been tricked into thinking it. Towards the end of the first season of The Good Place, another interesting variation occurs, right? So... Here they're they're on to Michael's plan. They they discover where they are and um, you know how it was all a, a ruse. And so he says, "Fine, we'll just do a reset." He, you know, he um, makes it as if it's their first day all over again, even though presumably time is is marching on. Um, the people believe they're experiencing their first day in the good place and so forth, right? Um, in that case, though, the, right. So, um, in that case, I guess the person who knows it's the same, who knows it's the same day, is Michael, right? Because the the characters who are reliving the day. Well, it's interesting because he's he's not reliving the day. Right. Time is right. marching on for him. Mm-hmm. He's the one aware of it, but all the people participating in it are essentially doing the same thing over and over, but they don't know. Yeah. So, so like Fifty First Dates, you have something like a false belief, but. Um, lots of people, or the, the four main characters at least, have the false belief. And then it's not clear whether all the other folks in The Good Place are aware that, oh, that's right. that they're going through 20, 30, 40, eventually several hundred iterations of this, this experiment. I think given the, given the particulars there, the, the cast in The Good Place has to know. Mm-hmm. But it's the people that are being... Yeah, unless he just tells them, okay, you're the cast, we're bringing these people up. He, you know, he could reset the whole thing and put right. them right where he did. But yeah, I think, I think the evidence um, doing this from memory supports your interpretation of that. 
Let's um, talk about some of the, the philosophical questions raised by Groundhog Day and Groundhog Day-esque movies. Um, before we, we do that, maybe I'll just say philosophers love Groundhog Day. Um, and one of the, the moments that sort of drove this home for me, um, just a delightful moment years back, I've got a colleague, um, Dr. Alexander Israelevsky, and um, he was giving a talk. And if you know Alex, this is a very earnest and serious man. And um, I wasn't sure what he was going to talk about, but he begins his talk by saying, today I'm going to talk about the greatest movie, the greatest philosophical movie ever. Um, and so you think, okay, here it comes. It's going to be the seventh seal yeah. or, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, some obscure version of the Brothers Karamazov, of, you know, only shown on Russian television, <laughs> something like that. And he's like, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> and then everybody, you know, the, the whole audience perks up. It's like, well, oh, yes, boy, we're going to talk about Groundhog Day. This is going to be really fun. And, um, and it was. So um, why, did, why does Alex think this? Because there's so much philosophy in, mm-hmm. in these shows, right? Mm-hmm. Metaphysics and ethics and existentialism and all kinds of stuff. Um, so we just sort of jotted down a, a handful of things that, that we might kick around um, maybe first and foremost is um, Groundhog Day exemplifies Nietzsche's doctrine of eternal recurrence. So, right. Um, okay, so I'll share a quote. Yeah, from yeah. Nietzsche. <clears throat> Excuse me. What if some day or night a demon were to steal after you into your loneliness, loneliest loneliness, and say to you, "This life, as you now live it and have lived it, you will have to live once more and innumerable times more." And there will be nothing new in it, but every pain and every joy and every thought and sigh and everything unutterably small or great in your life will have to return to you all in the same succession and sequence. Even this spider and this moonlight between myself, between the trees, and even this moment and I myself. The eternal hourglass of existence is turned upside down again and again, and you with it, speck of dust. Would you not throw yourself down and gnash your teeth and curse the demon who spoke thus? Or how well disposed would you have to become to yourself and to life to crave nothing more fervently than this ultimate eternal confirmation and seal? So I think uh, the Groundhog's Day scenario is similar to mm-hmm. uh, to this uh, kind of thought experiment, except for I think my take on Nietzsche here is that the idea is if you're going to have to come back and live every single aspect of yourself, your life in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be different from Groundhog Day because you wouldn't be able to, you know, one day steal a groundhog, another day kill yourself with a toaster, right? It would be the exact right, same right. thing. And the test is basically whether, one, for whether you're living for this life rather than for some some life beyond that will transcend this one, like a heaven or something like that, that you'll, um, do you, would you affirm your life the way that you're living it? Mm-hmm. Um, or would you live differently if you knew how, what would you do going forward to live differently? If you knew this was it, this is the thing you're going to live over and over. Right. Um, right. Would you take all those opportunities that, that you'd passed up? Um, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So Phil's last day, and Groundhog Day exemplifies this nicely, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not that the movie, you know, has the same day mm-hmm. over and over with all the same details. It's mm-hmm. your best day. Um, but he gets to the point where he has the day that 
would be the day he'd right. want to live, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, if that's that's the day he should want to recur over and over, mm-hmm. and then at that point he's released, right? So he, mm-hmm. he sort of meets this Nietzschean ideal, and then is self creation, self mastery. He learns mm-hmm. how to play the piano, like he develops his character, mm-hmm. right? He's caring for other people. Where at the start of the, the film, he doesn't care about anyone, you know, but spends most of the day just running around saving people. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Doing good deeds um, and and not being thanked for them, as as we learned in the news this week. You know, people like to be thanked, but he um, says to the the women whose car they think he's from the motor club, and he jacks up their car and changes the tire, and he goes, "There you go." And you've never once thanked me, but you know, um, for him that's not important. He's not he he doesn't care about that. He you know. It's, I need to point it out, but what he cares Doing about... Doing the right thing for the right reason. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, thanks or not, I'm going to live this this sort of way. So, yeah, so I think um, some of these movies um, and and stories sort of nicely exemplify this Nietzsche. The, one where people, the ones where people have to learn some valuable lesson, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing something with the, the doctrine of eternal recurrence there. So there, there's also an element of the myth of Sisyphus here, um, I think, right? So in the myth of Sisyphus, Sisyphus is um, condemned to push this rock up a hill and it gets to the top and then rolls back down. He's just doing this over and over. Um, so, you know, you feel this in Groundhog Day where it's just like, oh, man, it's the same thing. And, you know, even though there's there's little bits of variation um, and... You know, Sisyphus ultimately embraces this. So this is my life. This is what I'm doing. Um, And in Groundhog Day, uh, Bill Murray's character, Phil, doesn't have to um, embrace it, right? There's a way out. But he doesn't know that there's a way out. And I I think, you know, sort of related to the discussion of eternal recurrence, it's, you know, he's become this, this virtuous person precisely when he has embraced it, right? It's the... And he's been dealt. He's going to get up and do the right thing all day long. What features of your life might you come to appreciate mm-hmm. uh, rather than just sort of ignore if you knew that this is the life you'd be living over and over again? Right, right. Um, okay, so another thing we see here is it um, sort of nicely exemplifies a point from um, Plato's Republic, right, in the story of the Ring of Gyges. So this is this is not the the point that Plato's making, but the character Glaucon, who is is um, you know the one Socrates is is arguing against, um, suggests that that morality is this difficult um, thing. It's it's burdensome, and were we released from the burden um, of being moral, then people would choose not to be moral, right? We we only sort of take on that burden because we fear the consequences, right? Uh, or we don't want the consequences. Um, lots of examples of this in pop culture, right? So Lord of the Rings hits on almost perfectly. But there's a great treatment of this in Groundhog Day where um, Phil is out and he's with a couple of the local yokels and they're, they're drinking <laughs> and it dawns on him. There are no consequences for his actions, right? And he exclaims, I'm going to not live by their rule or not play by their rules any longer, right? And instantly starts doing bad things. Right? Probably the most memorable scene. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, I mean, they you know they they nearly obtain flapjacks, um, but you know um, they 
you know, get in a car, they drive drunk, they drive on the train tracks, they ram they into a police the, car. How do they kidnap the groundhog at this point? And uh, no, that that comes okay. a little later. Oh, um, that's right, that's right. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> but again, that's the part of the whole not living by their rules any longer thing. And then um, he gets up the next morning and asks the the um, innkeeper at the place he's staying, "What day is it?" She says, "It's um, Groundhog Day again." And um, she asks, you know, are, are you expecting somebody? And, you know, he's wondering if the police are going to come because of all the things he did. And, and he very happily says, apparently not, right? He's, <laughs> um, so he, he now can do bad things with impunity, right? And um, Plato suggests that this is at least a, a widely held view, right? He doesn't think it's the right view, um, but I think he thinks that, that most people think it, right? That we should only be moral... Um, because of the consequences, I, I think maybe the these Groundhog Day type movies actually provide us with with reason for thinking that most people don't think that. Most of the movies that have this kind of structure that I've seen, uh, they seem to be teaching some sort of moral lesson, mm-hmm. or making some sort of point about what it is to live a flourishing life for a human being, mm-hmm. and. The suggestion always seems to be that if you're doing bad things with impunity, that's not ever going to be it. That's that's never going to be a meaningful life for you. Mm-hmm. And so as these characters strive to find meaning in life, they always end up turning toward, you know, uh, becoming artists and creating things and treating other human beings well and, and, and non-human beings, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So so that, uh, I don't know, it seems like a... Uh, Rebuttal to Glaucon in a way, right? And in support of what you're saying, um, the the characters that that sort of exemplify Glaucon's point in these these um, movies and stories um, always seem to be notably morally bankrupt, right? It's mm-hmm. it's never an everyman finds yeah. himself in this tough situation. Yeah. Like maybe you do see in Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Frodo's supposed yeah. to be, you know, it's it's crass Phil mm-hmm. who. You know, can't um, you know be even minimally decent to anybody, right? Or Including mean girl, f- you know, sorority sister from Happy Death Day. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she very early in the movie starts to learn a lesson about what a horrible, horrible human being. Mm-hmm. That she is and, and so forth. And as you're watching the movie, you don't say, all right, go for it, Phil, keep day drinking. <laughs> you know, like you're actually rooting for them to, right, right. to move on from yeah. that kind of behavior. It's nice as they um, progress a little bit. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about Russian Doll. This is, um, we mentioned, I think, when we were doing our What Are We Liking um, segment an episode or two back, that this is you know, just a fantastic program. Um, so the, the main conceit there is um, the main character um, lives from this point in time at the, the start of her birthday party up until she dies. Right? It doesn't have to be the same day. Um, you know, She might die later that day. She might die the next day. It might be mm-hmm. three days later. But then it always sort of resets to this point. And there's, a, sort of, there's another character that's um, experiencing the same things. Um, or a similar phenomenon, and then somehow they're they're connected, and they have to sort that out. But they have a great conversation just about the metaphysics of it at one point, right? So um, they they start asking us like, "What's going on with the other people?" And so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we don't we don't need to stick too closely to um, their conversation, but it's it's sort of worth talking about. Okay, so um, 
Natasha Leon's character is is um, living this period of time over and over from the time where she comes out of the bathroom at her birthday party up into where she dies. And there's all these other people in that scenario. Uh, or same thing with Granite. Do they go on? I mean, are mm-hmm. they... Um, you know what? What's the metaphysics of this? Are are they the same people? Are they they different people? I mean, so if for example the the first time it happens, um, she gets to the end of the day and all the people that were at her birthday party um, continue their their lives, but she dies and starts over. Do we now have a new set of people that that closely resemble right. the ones? I mean, are are people going on living those lives? Are the, are they in different possible worlds? Is the main timeline hopping? Yeah, bouncing from possible world to possible world, or is just you know the the whole universe revolves around her, (laughs) and it just resets, right? Mm -hmm. She resets and she you know she's dragging everybody through the same stuff over and over and over. You see, one thing that's interesting is that as as the first season progresses, you start to see that the fruit is rotting. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. I mean, like, I, th- I think even by the end of the season, at least for me, it wasn't completely clear why you would see the food rotting. So the, I think the suggestion is supposed to be, wait a second, you know, we're relieving this time. And it seems to us as if we're starting at the same time uh, mm-hmm. on every occasion, every, t- every time that we start fresh. But the fruit is persisting and it's rotting. Yeah, um, so it's it's now an actual later time, which they all think of as yeah. birthday, but it's now been several weeks, right? And maybe other things too, right? Maybe the buildings are aging. and. But you if know. you're timeline hopping, this is uh, makes it unusual about the time too, if you're timeline hopping, you wouldn't expect the fruit to be uh, rotting right. because it would just be new fruit. Right, um, unless unless it was already rotten in that timeline, and there's no reason to think the show's suggesting that, right? That, yeah. And now yeah. I'm in a possible world where the bananas for my birthday party are six weeks old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually not entirely sure which interpretation would be consistent with rotting fruit, that, like, in some sense, the day, the, the, the timeline continues, it's, you know, but, but everybody else rolls back as if they're starting mm-hmm. afresh, Right. Yeah. Uh, but all the non-sentient beings just kind of persist, you know, like fruit. <laughs> right. I mean, is it possible that all the other um, objects, living creatures, I don't want to say that, all, all the other humans, right, uh-huh. um, are not real in some sense, right? Because you have Maybe. them in the, the various iterations saying the exact same thing, right? At least a Russian doll. You get something... Close to it in Groundhog Day, you right. know, the, the as if they don't have free will. Says the yeah. same thing, yeah. Um, but the the main characters all have free will, right? Mm-hmm. They they control their destiny, mm-hmm. provided they can solve the puzzle or develop the character or mm-hmm. figure out what's going on and what they need to do to avoid it. So, if that's the case, um, is there some kind of solipsism at play, right? Where mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. these little universes, mm-hmm. and so there's a universe that. He inhabits, and there's all these things that look like all of the other characters. It's the Truman Show, almost, right? They're not well. Yeah, but 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 they're not actors. They're just things to experience, right? It's it's kind of a um, Barclayan sort of idealism, a play, mm-hmm. right? That whatever's whatever's in charge of this thing just gives him this experience over mm-hmm. and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, if that's the the real. Um, Chris Elliott in the Groundhog Day and the real Andy McDowell, mm-hmm. um, then 
their lives are less important because they just keep being reset to his whim. Or, like they suggest in Russian Doll, they just go on and they're in other possible worlds, in which case those maybe aren't, (laughs) they're just... They're just ideas, right? They're they're yeah. Barclayan ideas. Oh, that's they're, interesting. Yeah, they're placeholders or something. Um, <clears throat> and you know, the metaphysics um, doesn't usually get explained in these shows. Um, some of the movies will say something like, you know, there's some radioactive material is causing somebody to relive something over and over. But then you wonder if they're not just hallucinating it over mm-hmm. and over, or something like that. Um, but there, I mean, there's a lot of detail that needs to be worked out to, to make sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. What is happening um, to the entire rest of the universe while Bill's in this loop? Yeah. Um, does it just go on without him? Is, is he, you know, are we committed to something like solipsism? Are we committed to something like a multiverse, right? Um, is this just one aspect of it? Um, and if it's, if it's a multiverse thing, I raised this a little earlier, you wonder if he's not like bouncing between universes Mm -hmm. as they pick up this event. So he gets plugged in in this one and this one and this Mm -hmm. one, in which case they might all be happening simultaneously, Um, which is sort of what you'd expect if it's the exact same day. But it's not the exact same day. Then here's here's a here's a, a concern with that too, then, is that you wonder, like it's supposed to be this test for self perfection or something like that, or at least self realization or improvement. Mm -hmm. Um but what if the real answer is because if if what possible worlds are are just total descriptions of state of affa- states of affairs, as total states of the way things might be, well then, Phil's just bouncing until he bounces into the possible world that happens to be the perfect one. <laughs> so yeah, he yeah. hasn't actually achieved it; he's just found the right timeline. <laughs> right, right. On the we talked about this in a previous episode, sort of the Leibnizian, um, you know, version of. The universe, right? This has to be the the greatest possible. He found it. Universe. He bounced and, the best one. Yeah, and, and yeah, he just <laughs> he, he makes his way there. Um, okay, so yeah, lots of lots of fun metaphysics. Uh, other interesting topics. Um, some force in the universe is doing this to our main characters, right? In mm-hmm. Happy Death Day, she has to, you know, crack the code and figure out um, who murdered her um, and, and murder that person, right? In Groundhog Day. Um, Phil has to become, you know, maximally virtuous or at least mm-hmm. sort of sufficiently virtuous, um, you know, kind of hit an extreme level of virtue. Um, so we might wonder, why does the universe care if if we're virtuous, right? Do these movies commit us to something like a, a caring God who, who over um, sees our actions? Yeah, they might. I mean, it seems... This is just one way among many that God might go about having you achieve a perfect moral character. You wonder, an, you know, a tri-omni God, a God that's all good, all knowing, and all powerful, wouldn't need to go to this extreme. You could just yeah. construct your life like the, this, the contingent circumstances of your life such that you'll develop a good moral character. Right. There's, a, there's an Occam's Razor argument that there's a much simpler way for God to do these things than yeah. get into all the messy metaphysics we just discussed. Um, yeah, and then uh, when we were talking before, you, you raised a, a good question. Why would you think, you know, this, right, yeah. going through the same circumstances over and over is an ideal way of, of increasing virtue? Right. I mean, I, I don't know that it's any better or any worse than other, any other mechanism because mm-hmm. I, I would think that one key way to 
to become a virtuous agent is to expose yourself to a wide range of other people, a wide range of circumstances, mm-hmm. so that you're you're learning and you're growing and you're uh, developing a sense of empathy toward a wide range of people. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if all you're encountering is Ed Ryerson or whatever his mm-hmm. name is... Needle Nose Ned. And then, <laughs> then uh, you know, may- maybe you should... Uh, visit some other places with some people with different backgrounds and you know so right. i don't know that it would be an ideal way to develop virtue right so phil gets really good at living the kind of day where he's done working at 9 a.m <laughs> and the weather's really bad and all there is to do is eat learn the piano yeah. help a few people out right. right i mean yeah it's um how well is that going to translate to um, other aspects of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with, with different kinds of adversity or successes and failures and so forth. Yeah. All right, so uh, one, one final topic. Um, sort of interesting question. What does it mean for it to be the same day over and over, right? Is, yeah. is there anything the same? I mean, there's some things that are the same. It's called the same date, right? right? Um, it's a Monday. Um, mm-hmm. The same songs are playing on the radio at the... Right. Same time, and um, certain things are going on around town, but very quickly things get different. Right, right? The, the conversations that the people um, in the scenarios are involved in change. Different things are said. Things progress in different ways. Some days the groundhog is stolen, and mm-hmm. some days it's not. Some days um, Bill, you know, tries to order flapjacks um, while drunk from a police officer. Mm-hmm. Right. Other days he drives a truck over a, a cliff. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it seems by stipulation we say, oh, it's the same it's day. It's the same day, right? but it's... you're doing different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the initial scenario that I re- read, the initial passage from Nietzsche, there you're describing that you're going to live the same life exactly the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to have different options, but, you know, what would you do going forward if you were to find out that that's what was going to happen? Um but I think maybe, maybe in these kinds of cases, it's best to think of a day as a set of constraints, mm-hmm. right? Rather than having a, a list of necessary and sufficient events, you know, that, that, okay, here are things. So, for example, for us to count it as the same day, Phil can't leave this town, right? right. That's one of the constraints that we've... Mm-hmm. Sort of drawn around what's possible in the day. Right. If I, there's some finite number of things and, and a finite mm-hmm. um, number of ways that those things can go roughly, right? Yeah. So he can go down this street and mm-hmm. he'll see Needle Nose Net and yeah. so forth. It can't fail to snow, right? Uh, right. It's going to, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, a, um, an open world video game in a sense that like, okay, here's oh, this. Here is this, you know, you're playing Breath of the Wild or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's the constraints of this city. You can mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want inside them, but you can't leave. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good philosophy in um, Groundhog Day type movies. Okay, right. Now it's time for our person on the street segment. This week we went to Weber State University um, and talked to some of the philosophy students there. And so we asked them, would you accept what we're calling the Groundhog Day Gambit? Right? Here's the idea. Um, if you're given the chance to live the same day over and over until you become an extremely virtuous person, would you do it? Now, if it works, 
that's great, right? You lived the rest of your life a much better person than you were before you, you took the gambit. You've got all sorts of skills. You know, you, you can play the piano. Um, you have great interpersonal skills, right? Things you can build on. Um, you'll certainly have a, a you know a, a better life all the way around. But if it fails and you don't properly develop your character, right, then you're stuck in this never-ending nightmare scenario. Um, so let's turn to our guests. Okay, we're talking to Joe Brownlow. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Um, all right, Joe, well, what, what do you say? Would you accept the Groundhog Day Gambit? I would not uh, because... I feel like if you're living the same day over and over and over, I feel like it would be increasingly difficult to uh, find ways to become more virtuous or to become more happy or to hone uh, specific skills. Um, and I think that um, if there was more of a progression in time where you're not in this uh, time loop, you're, uh, you have more ways to become virtuous and more things can happen to you. There can be more variance um, and things that can happen in your life uh, that could cause you to become variant, uh, that could beca- uh, cause you to become virtuous. Great. Thanks, Joe. Yep. Okay, we're talking with Jeff Montague. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. Good, good. Um, would you accept the Groundhog Day Gambit? I don't think I would. You Joe. wouldn't? I wouldn't because, like Joe said, I think it would be hard to find new ways to be virtuous. And I think the ways, like the path to virtue is hard, you know? So being stuck in this incredibly difficult task indefinitely, you know, uh, like you said, by accident, like if you can't figure out how to be virtuous, you could just be stuck win the same day forever. And that would be terrible. And also I wouldn't do it because I think, um, time is needed to progress like your relationships with people. So it's like, even if you were bettering yourself, you wouldn't be bettering yourself with other people. And that'd be really hard. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. We're talking to Nathan Clayton. Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm good. Good. All right. Would you accept the Groundhog Day Gambit? Oh, easily. Easily. Great. Say why. Uh, there's As things approach like an infinity, they either typically go one direction or two directions. And in this case, you either, as, as the Groundhog Gambit keeps going every single day, you're either going closer to crazy or closer to successful and getting outside of uh, the gambit itself. Um, so what happens is, or what I'm assuming would happen is that if you go down the crazy path, you're, you're stuck there for forever. But at the same time, that also gives you an infinite amount of time to stop being crazy and head towards the virtuous path. So as it's like, it's almost like a, like a logarithmic equation where like, as time progresses, you're going to hit it. It's almost guaranteed. You're going to hit the point of virtuosity because the chances that you go on forever and you never become virtuous are unreasonably small that it it's it would be dumb not to take the gamble. Plus, there's like all these other things you can learn during the time. Like you could probably learn to take over the world if you had an infinite amount of time to just repeat over and over and over again. You could learn basically anything because assuming because uh, assuming that you keep your previous knowledge because that's the whole point of the gamut, right? From the previous days, you're gonna have like an infinite supply of knowledge as you progress on. You could literally be the smartest person ever as long as you have the effort there to apply it. But given that you have forever to do it, you're, it, it would be dumb that you wouldn't hit that point, if that makes sense. Nice, it does. Thank you. Our next guest is Kramer McCausland. How are you doing, Kramer? I'm doing really good. 
Good, good. So, would you accept the Groundhog Day Gambit? You know, I'm kind of of two minds about it. I love Groundhog Day, and the way that's portrayed in that movie, it makes sense. Like, yes, you'd have to, you'd you'd, be, you'd have infinite time to learn everything you'd ever want to learn, and that's really appealing. But I'm also really worried that I wouldn't make it, or that it might be impossible. If if the, if the gambit is such that you have to achieve virtue to get out of the day. Maybe maybe I'm being pessimistic, but maybe it, it can't happen, and then you're stuck there forever. And that, that maybe that scares me too much, so I guess my answer is no. No, good. Yeah. A good, firm no. <laughs> Thank you. Our final guest is Michael Severing. How are you doing, Michael? Good. I'm doing good today. Good, good. Would you take the Groundhog Day Gambit? So I've debated this. I was thinking about what what reasons would compel me to take the, to the Groundhog Gambit, and I thought specifically, um, if I had like an addiction, say to nicotine, and I wanted to stop, quit, cut that addiction, it may make sense for me to accept the Gambit because I get an infinite number of days to cut that to cut that addiction, and then I have the rest of my life once I've escaped the Gambit to live a life free of that addiction. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense as opposed to living the rest of my life trying to cut that addiction. I would waste my life, in essence, in search of virtue, whereas I'd be given this free opportunity, an infinite number of chances to live a life free of that addiction. On the other end, uh, I think I agree with others that have spoken on the podcast that I don't know that I, I, don't know that I would succeed. I, I would be afraid of being stuck in the gambit. But even with other virtues like uh, just general goodness and morality – I may be I may be tempted to to hop into the gambit to take to take part in it, um, but then again maybe I could develop those virtues outside of the gambit. Uh, there's no necessary reason why I couldn't. So I I'm just dead even split on on my decision. I don't have a have a decisive answer. Great, thank you, Michael. Okay, right. What are we liking this week? Well, we went and saw Stan and Ollie. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, that was, that Loved was it. great. I, I was wanting to see that. I was disappointed that it didn't come to our area, mm-hmm. um, except for one theater maybe 20-something miles away, and then it popped up for a few days um, just down the road. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it's the actors in it and the film itself, I think, have uh, been nominated for a bunch of different awards. And so I, I, when that happens, often the movies will pop back up. Yeah, and it's very sentimental, and I, I normally don't like that stuff, but when it's done well, I really love it. Um, I don't think it was supposed to be sad, but it um, managed to be kind of a tearjerker it the whole time. It was a tearjerker. Maybe we should say what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's about um, Laurel and Hardy, right? Uh-huh. Um, and their um, sort of final comedy tour together after their movie parts had dried up and... Um, a number of flashbacks to um, things that have just been sort of hanging over the the head of their relationship for mm-hmm. a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and boy, just everything about it was great. They they really nailed the characters. If you love Laurel and Hardy, um, then seeing this will sort of take you right back to to that time in your life a um, hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this actually is related to the thing we were talking about last week that I said was an ethics bull case about like having films that, especially when it comes to women, but just in general, having a lot of films that are about 
people in their 20s falling in love or mm-hmm. people in their early 30s falling in love. And it's like, oh, we've just got... We've saturated the market with films like this, and then Stan and Ollie gets released on a, a, in, a in a limited way. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there should be way bigger audiences for movies that are about way more interesting things and inter- more interesting times in people's lives. Right, right. Um, and then sort of related to that, we're also liking the Laurel and Hardy film Way Out West because <laughs> we came home and we couldn't um, get enough of Laurel and Hardy, and it still hasn't run out. I've been watching videos on YouTube like crazy. Um, but we decided to watch um, Way Out West with, with our son, and that was a lot of fun. And Henry, you know, I didn't know how he was going to respond to that, but he cracked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's Mr. Chill. Yeah. You know, but and, he cracked up. And normally he's predisposed not to like things that, that I like <laughs> or things that are very old. Um, present company excluded. Not that you're very old, but I like you, and, and, and so does Hen. Um <laughs> And then just to, you know, keep up the tearjerker theme, um, we watched The Hate You Give. Yeah, Henry really wanted us to see And wants it. to see that. And that was um, fantastic as well. Um, so I encourage people to see that. We've been enjoying Black Monday, um, a couple mm-hmm. of episodes left. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing reports that, you know, this is just season one and there'll be more. And it hasn't been um, confirmed that it's coming back. I mean, it seems like it starts well in advance of Black Monday and, and ends at the end of Black Monday. So I don't know if, if further seasons, um, unless they do more backstories, will be as interesting yeah. as this. Um, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of, um, you know, All in the Family giving way to um, Archie Bunker's place or something. Let's get the whole gang back together and <laughs> for more shenanigans. I mean, they are telling a particular story. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing historical about this other than it refers to Black Monday. But still, it's um, <laughs> part of the, the charm of this is that it tells that story. All right, so that, that's what we're liking. Um, so time for listener musings, and, and we have two musings today. Okay, the first one. Dane writes, I have a quick listener musing. Is it ethical to talk about slash teach a devout religious believer the problem of evil when they haven't been exposed to the idea before? I feel like I'm going to offend them when talking about it, as there is no logical way around the problem or the the odysseys that are brought up as, as a response to the problem. Also, should one feel bad when the problem of evil converts the person from religion when they were perfectly happy in their religion? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Dane. Um, I I struggle with this a lot because I sometimes teach philosophy of religion, and um, I try to do as balanced a job as possible. But um, I think some of the arguments are stronger than others, and you see people's minds changing. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I I don't suppose that um, you should feel bad, although if if for whatever reason, you know, regardless of which direction they change. Um, people aren't going to be, um, you know, as you say, perfectly happy any longer or as happy as they were, um, then that, that is some reason to, to feel mm-hmm. bad. There's a whole bunch of related issues. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of scholarship about whether or not Jesus actually existed. And I remember we were having a reading group, and um, I mentioned this to one of the people that came to our reading group, a, a fairly religious gentleman, and um, he was like, ooh, I hadn't heard that before. And I instantly thought, oh, <laughs> he, doesn't, he didn't need to know that. He didn't end up buying it. But um, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Rachel? Well, I mean, some people think about 
of uh, uh, omission of information is a form of lying. I mean, if if you're if you're keeping a bit of information that that person might otherwise have from them, just so that you don't hurt their feelings or uh, make them sad, um, some people might think that you're depriving them of some autonomy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, now, on the other hand, you're not morally obligated to share every bit of philosophy that you know with your students. So it be maybe implausible to think about omitting topics of various types is all lying since you could only put so much into a course. But if you're going to talk about philosophy of religion, I think you're actually doing your students a disservice by not bringing up the philosophy or the, the problem of evil. Right, um, right. And I think most people, what I, what I tell my students in my classes is like, I'm not trying to get you to think any particular thing or set of things. But I think it's valuable to a flourishing human life to be reflective about your own beliefs, to have the most consistent, coherent worldview. Hopefully it's... You've got truths built in there that are cohering together. But but nevertheless, to have a, a coherent worldview uh, that you've reflected upon. And so, you know, if if you haven't been exposed to the problem of evil then you, and you're a religious person, then there's a whole range of things that you haven't had a chance to think about. And maybe you're going to continue to go on to be religious and now you have a response to the problem of evil. So now you're... Uh, your, your, maybe your faith is stronger than it ever was. But if you don't, if you, yeah, if you don't give the students that information, then you're, or your friends or whomever you're talking to, mm-hmm. then you're depriving them of the, the capacity to develop that, that worldview. Good, good. Okay, everybody, read about the problem of evil all that you can. <laughs> <laughs> tell, them, tell them Rachel sent you. All right, our, our second listener musing comes from Leslie. Leslie writes, confirm that you are not a robot and find out very interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to try this. So I confirm that I am not a robot. So do I. All right, we both can now. D- did you find out very interesting? No. Yeah, me neither. All right, well, th- thanks for nothing, Leslie. <laughs> All right, well, folks, that's it. Um, episode 18 is in the can. It's a wrap. And once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode on the topic that we will be deciding sometime between now and two weeks from now. Um, but we're not hurting for ideas. We're, we're just trying to figure out who we can get a hold of in the next period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't think that we haven't given this any thought. <laughs> All right. Um, I just, one thing, I guess. Um, what if we in the spirit of Groundhog Day, just did this same episode again and again and again. I think we might lose some listeners. Well, no, the same ones would be there, right? We would have exactly the same number. All right. Well, anyway, um, so come back in two weeks when the topic may be Groundhog Day. (laughs) Bye.